patience. We need to continually invest in, in a campaign to make it work in that it's not just marketing doing it or the SDR team doing it or the sales team doing it. It has to be everyone doing it at the same time at different levels, different tactics, different content, different strategies, everyone sort of pointing towards the North Star within that account. Welcome back to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president at Blast Media, and I will be both your host and your bartender today. I had a chance to meet with Alberto Cantor, who is a senior director of demand generation and corporate marketing at Eris Global. Yes, I said demand and brand all in the same title. Alberto's talking to us today about ABM for Enterprise. So those of you who sell into enterprise currently or are thinking about that as a strategy for next year, listen up. He provides three keys to a successful ABM strategy for enterprise that you don't want to miss. So if you care to grab a drink and join me as I speak with Alberto. Alberto, welcome to SaaS Half Full. Well, thank you. Very excited to be here today. I am really glad to have you. We have known each other for a couple of years. We um, love you dearly as a Blast Media client. So first and foremost, appreciate that. We do have some Blast Media clients on here from time to time. But I was pumped because I saw your name pop up as a potential guest wanting to talk about, at first I saw ABM and I was like, oh, we've talked about that before, but it was specifically for enterprise which is a bit of a different beast. So I am excited to talk to you about it today. We did get you a drink kit delivered. Uh, what did you order? Do you remember? I believe it was uh, tequila. So maybe I'll start blurring a little bit later. <laughs> Listen, well, I am. I'm starting. It's respectable. It's three o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. I mentioned I've been uh, stuck at home with a sick kid. So this is deserving for me, this glass of red wine that I'm having at three o'clock. But I am happy to have you on. Uh, before we get started, though, I do want to give you a proper introduction, let people in on who you are and your current role with Eris Global. If you could start, how did you get into B2B SaaS? I know Eris Global is not your first go around in this industry. Intentional? Did you stumble into it? How did you enter in this industry? I entered into B2B SaaS because I started my marketing career at an agency like like many marketers do. And the group of clients I was working with, they were all B2B SaaS, you know, different different levels. And then that agency got me into my second job, the marketing professional. It was B2B SaaS, specifically in health tech. And that's where I've been focusing on most of my career. So yeah, B2B SaaS, health tech, now in life sciences, but very related nonetheless. Yes. I started out my career in agency and I'm the crazy person that's kept it as my career in agency. I'm going to be a lifer. I love it. But yes, many marketers do start out on the dark side, end up going in in-house. When I first revisited your title, I was like, well, demand and brand fall under you, which oftentimes those are two very separate functions that don't necessarily live harmoniously together. Talk to us a bit about your role as Senior Director of Demand Gen and Corporate Marketing. Like, What does your team look like? What's underneath that function? Two specific areas are, are demand generation and brand marketing. Demand generation for us, it's the, the more traditional definition of what demand generation is. Uh, at a very simplified way, it will be campaign managers, but really 
This is a team that works very deeply and very close to the product marketing team to a certain extent to the, with the product team and definitely with the commercial team or sales team at different levels. They are a key part of all of our go-to-market planning. Of course, it's a team that drives a strategy for us to get the results from a, an MQL perspective who then turn into SQLs and opportunities and so on. That's the demand gen side. It's a very talented group of people that I have the honor to lead. And then we have the, the corporate marketing side, uh, which is really how I joined or why I joined RS Global. I was first hired to lead corporate marketing, which back then, a few years ago, it was almost non-existent in the way that it wasn't structured. It was more, you know, on, on the tactical side. So throughout this time, I've been lucky to not just build out the team, but also build out a great group of new functions that we've been needing and identifying as a company and, and as the as a marketing organization. So as of recently, my role changed, but I was leading demand gen, as I explained. I was also leading digital marketing, and we've now transitioned that team to a a different area within marketing, of course. I was also leading marketing operations and that area also transitioned and brand marketing, how we call it. So brand marketing, it's a team that's priced or built by three key functional areas. One is public relations, which is the main reason we partner with you and the great work that you all do for us in the industry. Then we have brand marketing in the sense of starting to think about how we market ourselves differently, or at least at the brand level, and all around brand recognition, affinity, all these intangible things that go with a brand. And the design team as well falls under brand and the brand marketing team. The reason we have it this way, it's because we see, or I, I see a continuation of the work that they do from demand generation to brand, back to demand generation, back product marketing, and so on. I see it as a, as a chain link, basically. And I don't see them necessarily as different functions. I know many companies out there will treat them differently. And to your point, sometimes there there is a lot of friction because brand marketing itself, it's really hard to, to measure, to point a direct finger that brand campaign actually delivered sales or, or leads or whatnot. We see it differently. We see it as a as a complement to what we're doing from a performance perspective, we see this as a yeah something that will help out. It works really well for us in this organization, I'd say. <laughs> Definitely a lot on your plate, uh, and I I agree of brand and demand just feed, constantly feeding each other, and I agree that they should exist together and do work well together. But I imagine when you walked into RS Global that you didn't just take a quick look and say, well, we need to implement a, an ABM strategy to target all of these large pharma companies and all these enterprise accounts and have that up and running within 30 days. So we're going to talk specifics on what works, what doesn't work when when thinking about ABM for enterprise. But what were you doing before? So before you start an ABM strategy, what were we doing before? How were you targeting? What types of accounts were you targeting? What did that look like? I personally tried to start ABM multiple times and I failed at Ars Global uh, until I hired the person who's leading it now. I'm very thankful for that. So what were we doing before? We're really building out the infrastructure for us to be able to do ABM. So as you said at the beginning, right, we do ABM at, a, at an enterprise level. And it's not just on an enterprise level. Is it a very difficult conservative and slow industry, which is life sciences. 
right? Pharma companies, medical device companies, regulatory agencies, you name them. These are companies that take their time to make a decision for the right reasons. So what we did before was we really focused on building out the marketing infrastructure that we needed to really start doing ABM, okay? And I'm going to break it into, let me see, three, maybe four buckets. So when we, we started building the infrastructure, first things first were like systems, like marketing automation, analytics, having a good enough website, an email program, right? Like these these foundational areas of, of marketing, a lot of them being digital, of course, every ABM uh, program needs. Once we matured those enough, while we were building those, those that were still bringing in results, not necessarily in the form of account-based marketing, but they were certainly bringing in leads, pipeline was growing. So all that was was going quite well. The second bucket or, or vertical that we started building, uh, which was more, it was less of a build, it was more of an internal work, was aligning the teams the right way, right? So account-based marketing, even though it has marketing in its title, is not necessarily just done by marketing. There has to be commitment from the marketing team, from multiple functions within the marketing team. There has to be commitment uh, on the sales team and multiple functions on the sales team. Um, And there even has to be commitment to a certain extent on the product and perhaps the leadership team, depending on who you're talking to. So the commitment that we, or, or the resources that we now sort of invest on ABM from a marketing perspective are, we have the demand gen team, we have the brand team, we have product marketing, we have the digital marketing team, we have marketing operations, and uh, in some cases, customer marketing and events marketing, all working in one single campaign, right? So that's for one account. Now, of course, the resource allocation will vary depending on the account that we're targeting. But as you can see, it's highly complex and it requires a lot of coordination and collaboration across either individuals within the marketing team or sub-teams within the marketing organization. Now, the same applies for the sales team, right? At Ars Global, our closest partner when it comes to talk about the sales team is the SDR team, sales development reps, EDRs, pre-sales, different names for different companies. So for us, these are the people that essentially grab the leads or an engaged contact and then jumps on the phone and qualifies them and moves them on. We're talking about account-based marketing. All fronts need to work together to really try to penetrate and engage that account or the individuals within that account that we're targeting. We're doing our part on the marketing side. Now, the same with the SDRs, working with them in terms of the right collateral that they need to be sending, the right talk tracks if they get um, an, a phone call or, or some sort of communication back from the account that we're targeting. And the same goes for all the way to sales. And again, as I said, a little bit to product depending on what we're trying to sell. So that was the second pillar, right? Aligning all these people, right? Making sure that we were getting commitment. I'd say this has been and will likely continue to be the hardest part of, of our account-based marketing, I'd say. And then the third pillar is once you have the technology and the infrastructure in place, once you have the human resources and sort of like the brains behind making account-based marketing work, now you have to set the right expectations. And this is when the higher levels of executives will start 
or you're going to have to work with them and explain why it's going to take several months and several thousand dollars to talk to one person and that one person communicating to his or her boss and then, you know, so on, so on, so on. This year for us, I'd say is the first full year that we've really had account-based marketing as an initiative in RS Global. It's been quite successful for us. We've been able to get a lot of, I would call them bites. Those bites have turned into very meaningful meetings and conversations after that because of all the knowledge that we've acquired past 12 months or so, been able to scale this up to a level where we're now targeting multiple accounts at the same time, different levels of personalizing or personalization to those accounts, but all sort of moving in the right direction. Of course, it doesn't always work, but in our case, the majority of the accounts that we're targeting, they're moving in a positive trend, let's say. You had mentioned that you would try to implement an ABM strategy a couple of times and failed. Where did it fail? Was it on that first pillar of the systems, the tools, or was it later down on aligning the teams? Actually, right between the first pillar and the second pillar. Didn't have the tools nor enough resources to do true account-based marketing. We've now learned that you need to dedicate a lot of time to it. Back then, our team was smaller, less people, etc. Another really important thing that I forgot to mention is that because we're talking about large enterprises and usually these translate into very large deals or we've been developing very specific content for them that really resonates to their potential needs, right? So back then we didn't have the infrastructure to do that. We didn't have the knowledge to do that either. And there was a misunderstanding, especially on the, on the sales team of what account-based marketing was able to do. And that was a, a really fun process in explaining, uh, really, the, in sort of educating many people within the organization, including a lot of marketers and myself as well. Like, how do we explain that what we've been doing up until then in marketing has been a lot of like quick opportunities, right? We get a, a lead, that lead is it's hot, turns into an opportunity very quickly, while account-based marketing will take, again, several months in most cases, in that we need to have patience, we need to continually invest in, in a campaign to make it work, in that it's not just marketing doing it or the SDR team doing it or the sales team doing it. It has to be everyone doing it at the same time at different levels, different tactics, different content, different strategies, but everyone sort of pointing towards the North Star than that account. So that's a recent fail. It was misaligned expectations limited resources, limited knowledge, and not necessarily the right technology to build it back then. I would say that having the right systems and tools in place, aligning teams and setting expectations would be three core elements for any ABM campaign. What are some of the hallmark differences in executing than executing on that specifically for enterprise? That's a great question. So when we're talking about uh, an enterprise account, it's likely that you'll have dozens of stakeholders who will influence a decision, especially a, a large software purchase, right? Or something that they will commit for many years and will spend a lot of money on. I'd say the biggest difference is on the need to tailor to the different levels of seniority of the people that you're talking to. 
and also the cross-functional areas or even distinct teams that you need to talk to within the same organization to get the full buy-in. It's really hard. Don't just think about like a, a, a white paper that you, you focus on, on different people. No, this talking about, you know, making sure that if, if a potential or a target customer is going to a conference, then the topic that we're talking at that conference resonates with that potential customer. But not just the customer, we need to understand the individual who's going so we can then further advance conversations with that person and the content that we're showcasing in that conference, you know, resonates again with the account and with the person as well. They're, they're also, I, I'm assuming, right? I've never done account-based marketing for a small company or, or, you know, startups or non-enterprise, let's say. Um, so I'm assuming that a lot of the tactics and strategies are similar right? Multi-channel marketing, almost like, you know, trying to achieve that omnipresence via digital type uh, of messaging and marketing. So I'm assuming there are a lot of similarities there. I'd say the, the biggest difference will be on the depth and content that you need to go and understanding the different personas that you need to talk to uh, for that decision to be go the way that you want it to go. For our listeners who may, there, I'm sure there are some that have tried to start an ABM program and have failed also. So they're, they're feeling that. And others may be at smaller companies or thinking about starting it up for the first time. When it comes to that first step, so making sure that you have the right tools in your tech stack, what did you find to be the right tools? And totally cool if you want to name actual software companies that you have found to be most effective when thinking specifically about an enterprise use case, but what tech do you have in your stack? I'm going to mix that between tech and resources that you need. So right now we use Pardot for, or Pardo, however you pronounce it, uh, for marketing automation. That works well for us, right? Integrated with Salesforce and everything within Salesforce. That works well. We've also leveraged our website significantly for account-based marketing, everything from building out landing pages to leveraging, for example, our chatbot on the website, uh, targeting specific accounts via this chatbot and building out uh, what they call conversational landing pages. So say we develop a, a case study specifically for Blast Media, and we assume that if someone is reading that case study, then that person is likely from Blast Media. So we'll activate the chat immediately and say, hey, Lindsay, or hey, Blast Media, you know, just, you know, are you interested in talking to us? Things like that. We also kicked uh, or launched Uberflip at the beginning of this year. And for those who don't know Uberflip, it's essentially a uh, a way for you to streamline your the content that you have, your digital content. And they call it streams, which I guess their comparison is, I guess, the Netflix of digital content. Once you finish reading or consuming one content piece, then the next one will pop up. And then you're able to progress people further and faster. That's been very successful. And we built out specific streams for specific companies. And we see the engagement rates within those really grow. And not just more people reading it, but more people reading it for longer or consuming it for longer. So that's been really good. So that's my tech stack. I'd say for you to start a cloud-based marketing, likely what you need is being good enough at like web page building that you can build a few web pages and uh, and sort of personalizing that content for the accounts or account that you want to target and then have some sort of uh, of marketing automation behind it via 
Pardot or Marketo or whatnot. We've also incorporated this year remarketing and retargeting with lookalike audiences, which is was a first for us because our audiences are very small. So it took a while to get all that data. That has really accelerated a lot of, of the visitors that we're getting to the streams. We've done this by LinkedIn ads, Google ads and lookalike audiences, and a lot of industry publication native ads. Now, you asked about my recommendation and like how someone's failing, how to like start for us. The key thing was to start very small and partner with the individuals within your organization that really want to do this. Late last year, we we're talking about 2022 planning and building out our account-based marketing. And it's like, all right, how many can we target? How many can we do? And we started small. We said, if I'm not mistaken, two or three in Q1. So we started with one and we found the right person like, hey, Will you, are you on the sales team and say, Hey, are you able and willing to work with us to develop this into a program? If yes, then great. It's likely that you're going to do great this year. And also the second and third accounts that we're going to develop are going to be yours. So it's a win-win, right? This person was a, a great partner and champion throughout. And we've slowly but surely has been scaling that up. To where we are today. Now, with this scale, what we've also learned is that we can reuse a lot of the stuff that we built for account one. We can reuse that for account 15 or whatnot, vice versa, sorry. So there's some, some acceleration component that you can make use of. But my key recommendation is start small, both on the system side and on the account side, and test and sort of build as you go versus trying to start with several or with like purchasing a account-based marketing technology, et cetera, I'd say like, don't go that route. It's going to be more frustrating than rewarding. That's really great advice. I want to underscore the finding the handful of internal advocates that you can use in this first testing phase with these one or two or three accounts is key. How do you find those people? There's always the internal relationships that you have with your colleagues, right? Like that would be the, you know, the first starting point, I'd say. But usually, at least in, in our organization, when we do the, the sales kickoff, right? The beginning of each year, then the different sales reps will unveil the target accounts that they're going after. And that for us is it's a good starting point. Say, Hey, let's, let's talk to you person that we started with, this was a person that I've known for many years. It was a person I tried to start ABM when I was doing it. You know, he also learned and said, okay, we, you know, we, we need more here. And I'd say, you know, my recommendation is like, go and partner with, with a salesperson to start that knows marketing and knows that marketing takes time. And more importantly, that knows that marketing is not a silver bullet. And ideally, this person also has the commitment equaling the free time to to work on this and mutually improve the program. And you had mentioned that you hired a, and this isn't the right title, I'm saying an ABM specialist. When did you do that and how did you make the case for that hire? Seeing that this is a newer program for you. She's actually part of the demand generation team and we didn't hire her as like a talent-based marketing manager. She's a demand generation manager, but the product line that she's building demand for, it's where we sell to the biggest enterprises. So naturally, that was the path we took. 
she also came with a lot of experience in account-based marketing and, you know, paved a lot of the way. How did I build a case for that? For us, it was it was very straightforward, right? Our, our biggest product or product line is our biggest revenue line or revenue generator. So we had to have a dedicated resource for that. And so far, it's been a, a very proven case and very successful. She's been, she's added tons of value to not just the, the products that she's leading, but the overall the demand gen team and the marketing team as a, as a whole as well. You all underwent a rebrand this year, which is a whole other conversation because that is no, no easy lift. Did that jack up your ABM strategy? Great point. So I want to clear out, we didn't rebrand. We split our corporate brand from our product brand in a similar way to what, I don't know, Photoshop is to Adobe. So that certainly created challenges. Uh, one of the first things that we realized is that a lot of people in this industry know us by our corporate brand, but less so by our product brand, even though they use our products, not our brand, right? So that was revealing. So one of the things that challenged us at the beginning was creating that connection. So there was a lot of, of uh, communications around that topic. You and your agency certainly helped there a lot, but we learned that we couldn't decouple uh, the two brands and they, we had to like stick both of them together for longer than originally thought. Uh, we've been doing that. Now, together with that sort of brand split, one of the key things that came up was messaging tones. So that has actually facilitated a lot of our work or has facilitated us to do to be more straightforward with our, our marketing messaging. And it's actually benefited us from an account-based marketing perspective because we now have very clear guidelines into when do we talk about the company, when do we talk about our platform, when do we talk about our product. Again, provided us some an easier path to communicate the, the right way. So while there were challenges, of course, and there will still be visually, recognition, affinity, etc., there are also areas that we've benefited from, messaging being one of them and driving the people to the right asset faster being the second one. You had mentioned uh, the third component of a successful ABM program is setting expectations, particularly upstream, whether that's with the, the C-suite or, or someone else. When it comes to ABM for enterprise, you had mentioned it may take months, but what type of expectations are you setting and how are you measuring the progress? I'm going to start with the second question first. So how do we measure press? We told the ABM team that the first sort of KPI or milestone that we needed to reach was getting a meeting in the books. Was that directly attributed to ABM or a byproduct or completely unrelated to ABM? We needed to get a meeting in the books, right? So a lot of the initial efforts were towards that. It was... How do we get this company or this person in this company to answer the phone to us or reply an email to for us to show them what we need to show them in 30 minutes? Set expectations or, or we use that initial milestone to set timing expectations. And I don't recall the specific time, but it was months worth of, of work to get to that initial meeting. The reason we did that was to sort of shorten the expectations or shorten the time periods where we could see something, right? Now, as we progress, and this is a, in the natural sort of enterprise sales cycle, 
Uh, there are going to be multiple touch points, meetings, discussions, whatnot. And some of them marketing will be involved and others, it will just be sales or products or executives, different levels. What we've seen is, and sort of like a secondary KPI or metric to measure success is, is there any influence in the recurrence of the meetings that we're having or in additional meetings with different groups within the same organization? And this is actually, that's been something that's been very interesting because a lot of these programs started with a, a wide audience and we've continued that momentum with that same audience. We saw that, I don't know, in July, Lindsay raised her hand, right? And said, Hey, I want to talk to you guys. But then in October or November, Alberto raised her, his hand and said, Hey, I want to talk to you guys. Even though you and I are, might be in the same team, these organizations are so big that in some cases, no one knows if you're working on this or not. We've seen some of that and that's very exciting because then we can connect the dots and that usually is a, is a trigger to accelerate deals and things like that. The last key metric that we've been measuring is the engagement on the different digital assets that we put out there for this specific account. So if we see an increase in product A content consumption for this particular company, then that's a, a trigger for us or for the SDR team or the sales team to lead a conversation with that. So there's also been, if you see it that way, it's, it's like an indirect KPI that is now interesting the team. I'd say what to talk about with the goal of closing the deal several weeks or months down the line. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover or tackle that we haven't yet today? I do want to mention that this was one of your first questions. How do I see demand and brand working? That's one of the key realizations that we've had. The more people know our brand, of course, the easier those conversations are to get. And usually, the better the conversations go. So I've been a huge advocate of, of brand marketing, especially in the last two years when we were really able to kick off and kickstart the brand team here at the company. Now we're seeing direct results from it. So for all those listeners, you're thinking about account-based marketing and for enterprise, think about branding and how you integrate your brand marketing and sort of brand efforts within these campaigns and for these campaigns, because it's going to be much easier further down the line. Brand should be ideally omnipresent. Uh, realistically, it's very hard to achieve. Your focus on a particular industry or an industry segment, it's likely that you can be present multiple times throughout the year. And within several of those multiple times, your buyer is going to be influenced by it at, at a certain point. We are big proponents of brand as well, as that is where we squarely play. So I completely agree with that ending sentiment. And while you did not join me for a drink today, I do end every episode by asking our guests if they have a favorite or signature toast to send us out. I am Venezuelan, so maybe you've heard it or not. It's, it's common in Latin America. You say, arriba, abajo, al centro, adentro. So... Up, down, center, in. <laughs> had it one time, and it was this year. We had that Shiraz as well, and I love it. And I've actually used it in my personal life since then. So I love that. Well, Alberto, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you for sharing your knowledge with us today. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. I hope you all learn a little bit from me. 
Thanks again to Alberto for joining us on SaaS Half Full. Always great to connect with a Blast Media client and have him share his knowledge with us today. Hopefully you learned a thing or two about enterprise ABM strategies. And until next time, bottoms up.